The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine containing topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month, the Internal Revenue Service may be looking for you with a job offer. But ACB Reports for August 2008 begins with a shopping trip for back-to-school apparel. From the Miras Project in Chicago, here's Lynn Cooper. As summer days wane, you can almost hear moms cheering and kids groaning as school is on the horizon. So what we're going to be offering our listeners today is something different, and that is a few tips and techniques, some secret weapons for making this seasonal rite of passage, if you will, manageable, economical as possible, comfortable for mom and students, and maybe even a little bit fun. And I've gathered them from sources such as parenthoodaboutehowdressingwell.com and also many different magazines. And I've also talked to moms and dads with children. Number one, Mike, very, very important. None of this means anything without our first step, and that is to ask school officials for the dress codes, and that often relates to um, whether or not there's uniforms and what have you. Very, very important because every school is different. So it's real important because, as we've been saying for years, appropriateness is key, and we don't want to send our child with something that's wonderful to school and find out that it is not allowed. Right after that, we're going to do something, which is shopping at home first. That involves a closet run-through. We're really going to look in our store, otherwise known as our closet, go in there, spend at least a good afternoon, if not a day, make it as fun as possible, and that is definitely the key word in all of this, so it's not a drudgery. We want to bring our other family members in, bring other kids in, Bring human mirrors in. If we have family, friends, trustworthy human mirrors, bring them in because we want to weed out the things that are not any longer appropriate, do not fit, are not maintained properly, maybe worn out, maybe torn, maybe faded. And we want to do one of four things. Give them away to the other family members or friends, throw them away, save them, or sell them on eBay for a yard sale. The next thing we want to do is consider fashion changes, and that's pay attention to our children's trends. And things are different for every age group, certainly. We want to discuss the trends with kids. Not all of them are going to be appropriate, but we do want to have these discussions because we all know that we want things and we need things. We want to make sure that we discuss with our children the difference between wanting and needing. It's a good time to broach this subject. And having this conversation, Mike, at home is a real good place to have it instead of the clothing department at the store. And then another tip that's very important, we find, is to make sure we don't buy everything before school begins. Hold back a little bit. Maybe buy the basics before school begins. And then when the children get to school, they can kind of discern what is the piece or pieces that seem to be popular. And if it is within one's wardrobe budget, that is a good idea to have a few of those pieces so that they can feel like they're fitting in definitely. A really, really good way to put a wardrobe together for back to school economically and easily is capsule wardrobing. This applies for men and women, boys and girls, 
And it's really a good idea for not only money saving, but for ease in dressing, ease in putting together our outfits every day. It involves buying core pieces, pants, maybe a jacket if it's required, uh, shirts, T-shirts, what have you, in core colors, meaning easily interchangeable colors, whether they be lights or darks. That will make it much easier to buy additional pieces. Good idea, too, with this in mind, to lay out outfits as we're buying them, as we're getting ready to shop, have our human mirror with us and say, okay, here we go. That's one outfit. That'll be good for this activity, day-to-day school. Now we've got a field trip we need to consider. And once again, with a conversation with the principal, school authorities, you'll get an understanding of what those requirements are. A real good tip, and it's a star tip, is to consider service animals if they're being used. I said this to a group years ago, Mike, and one of the women uh, months later came to me and said, oh, my gosh, I changed my whole wardrobe because I have a light-colored guide dog and I had all dark-colored slacks. If we cannot notice the shedding, others will. So consider your service animal, and if you are ready to start a core wardrobe, go with that color. That's not a bad idea. If you're going to go to jeans, go to a lighter color jean. If you're able to and you're buying slacks, go with lighter color slacks. If your dog is light color, dark. If your service animal is dark color. As much as it may terrify parents to hear this, it's probably a good idea to give the young people a choice to some extent. It allows them to feel emotionally and psychologically that they're buying into the process, and they will then have ownership. But we do have to consider that big A word, Mike, and that is appropriateness. Then we have the eternal issue that comes up in TV movies and uh, after-school specials, and that is peer pressure. We've all fallen prey to it, and it's a real important thing. You know, we tend to put that as a negative, but when we're dressing, we really do want to fit in. We want to fit in to some extent, yet we do want to be appropriate to respect ourselves in dressing and to be respected because we know that a full 80% of our message is visual, Whether or not we are able to observe, we are being observed. So we really do want to sit down once again, not in the store and have these conversations where it's going to add to the craziness factor, but we want to sit down and maybe look through magazines with our human mirror or mom, dad, brother, sister, and say, okay, this is what's being worn. Let's try to find a compromise. And then we're going to go to the actual shopping I'm sure many of us have heard over the years, failing to plan is planning to fail. It's important to plan to shop and shop our plan. Not only does it cut down time, it's an energy-sapping activity. As much as I'm a shopaholic, it still takes a sap out of you. It's intense. And so if you have a plan, you can hit the stores you need to hit, hit the departments you need to hit, and really go through it very strategically. Very important to pay attention to three little topics in shopping when we are planning. Appropriateness, I cannot stress that enough, Mike. Durability, of course, that relates also to maintenance. Is it washable? Is it going to hold up to playground wear or just basic uh, high school, college activities? And then, of course, price. And as we've said to our adult listeners, cost per wear is very important. If we're going to be investing in something, whether it be slacks or kind of a core piece, 
we may want to spend a little bit more money if we're going to get a higher quality good that can be worn more often and worn longer. But we also know, Mike, that these young people are growing. So we're not going to be having too many investment pieces. Maybe we want to invest in a good backpack or something that will not be grown out of. couple tips for shopping. Shop in small time increments. Reason being, it is high stress usually, even in the best of days, high energy activity. There's a lot of adrenaline. There's a lot of emotional back and forth. So we don't want to say, hey, we're going to go out for eight hours. That's just not realistic. Good idea before one goes shopping to feed everyone. If our blood sugar is low, that translates to grumpiness. And we want to make sure before we go that we have maybe a good high-protein breakfast, but we want to take some granola bars with us, some orange juice, so that we do not become itchy. And that often is due to just simply low blood sugar, low energy. Take breaks throughout the uh, shopping excursion. Wear proper undergarments and comfortable, easy-to-get-off-and-on shoes. If we normally wear tennis shoes, this would be the time to just wear loafers that slip on and off. Another tip is to set aside one day for clothing purchases. If we have more than one child to attire, then what we want to do is one day set aside for clothing for that child, the next day school supplies or all school supplies on one day, all clothing purchases on another. It's easier to do a laser-guided shopping. It really will cut down on the uh, craziness. And shoe shopping is really best as late in the day as possible. And this is a little secret that I gained in my days in the shoe business. Feet are swollen. Uh, We stand on them. We're walking on them. They are probably a half size larger at the end of the day. So that will be the truest sizing if you buy shoes toward the end of the afternoon. There will not be a risk of getting shoes too small. A couple other tips for where to shop. Real good idea is recycling, and that is vintage stores, secondhand stores. If we are low vision, blind, we want to make sure that we take along a human mirror with us because, as you can imagine, the clothing has been used. We want to make sure it's in good shape, a clean condition, or at least reparable. Look at outlet stores. want to pay attention to the prices, though, because outlet doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be much less. Stores, such as department stores, often offer a 10 to 20% discount to open up the store charge account. So if you are able to and you're in a position to carry another charge account, make that list, take your plan, get as many things that you know you need for your child or children, and then if you wish to, open up that store charge because that 10 to 20% is available on that one day. So that is a really good idea if you know that you wish to open up that charge account and you are going to be doing a lot of shopping that day. Another thing is to shop post-season sales. If you have storage, the end of winter sales, come February, come January, even December, bump it up a couple sizes if you anticipate growth and buy those winter coats at a half to 75% off. Another star tip is that usually mid-July through the month of August are the biggest sale months for retailers, and that translates as well to -to back-to-school clothing. It's a big, big, big market. 
but whenever we shop, remember, we're going to have our plan. We're going to remember appropriateness, durability, and price. Then what we're also going to consider, and this is a big deal nowadays, online shopping. Great if uh, transportation is an issue, which it is for many of us. No crowds. You can do it in your underwear at 2 in the morning. You can't sleep. You can get up and shop, and it's great for busy moms and dads because you do not necessarily need to be around your children's schedule. If you know their sizes, good idea to measure with a tape measure the basic sizes, bust, inseam, which is the crotch to the ankle, basic shoulder sizes, arm length, what have you. So you're armed with that when you are online shopping. Another real important thing, I believe, is to be environmentally conscious. It's one of the cool parts, Mike, about recycling and going to secondhand stores. We're not unloading a lot of things into landfills. Another thing to think about is organic cotton products. A lot of um, kids, unfortunately, are allergic. Dyes often cause uh, allergic skin reactions. And earth-friendly products are more widely available now, products made with organic cotton, for instance. And not only really are they healthier for the planet and your kids, but it's amazing. Conventional cotton, which is the cotton that most things are made out of, the growing of that is responsible for 25%, a full quarter of the world's poisonous pesticides. They're a little bit more expensive, so that might be a time to look in the labels when we are at the secondhand store or to look at wardrobe swapping, and that's become a real big deal and that is swapping with friends. Parents get together, and they bring things that are in good condition, no longer fit or no longer are desired by their children, and they swap. And in some cases, in many cases, if the child is old enough, bring them along if they're able to uh, enjoy such a thing. Then, now that we've got the clothing at home with us, we've got labeling issues because in the morning when we're getting ready for school, ideally we have laid out clothing. Truly, that cuts down on the stress and the craziness factor we've talked about. But labeling is a real important thing. We can do that a number of different ways. We can take a permanent fabric marker, just a black marker. Uh, they're sold at any one of your dime store, drug stores. And you just want to make sure it says permanent fabric marker. Take that marker, write your child's name, especially if they're going away to school or if they're a live-in situation or just at home with clothing with other children in the house. It's a real good idea just to put the child's name on that tag, just in the back of the clothing. Plastic tags, which are available through various resources that we've mentioned, and even safety pins. And then, of course, we've got Braille labels that we can get from uh, adaptive products, catalogs, and what have you. Whatever works, essentially, as long as it's easy, there's not a lot of hoop de doo trying to find pieces as we get ready for school in the morning. Now, how do we maintain these wonderful things that we have purchased? Once again, as much as possible, let's look for the washability and bring the human mirror in and have a run-through of the clothing, checking for stains and damage at least once a week. Real important because we know that going with a stain, no matter how smart we are, no matter how well-spoken we are, it will not only fill in that stereotype, but it will also call attention to itself and the rest of the message will be overlooked. We also want to keep our special occasion outfits separate. We don't want to, when that special event at school comes, be running around 
polishing shoes at the last minute or trying to repair shirts or trying to get a spot out of a tie. And as we wrap up, we also want to look at basic alteration. We've gotten a good deal on these slacks, but oops, we could only get them in a length that was two inches too long, or in some cases a wee bit too short. So we want to make sure with our fingers and our eyes, if we can, to see if we need it, if there's enough hem allowance in there to let down, whatever it is. A real inexpensive and easy way to get basic alteration not things remade, but basic alterations done is at a local dry cleaners. So really, Mike, the key is information, planning, honest, open communication, organization, and I really believe it is key to have some sort of memory of our own back-to-school adventure. One of the websites that I found put it beautifully when they said, few topics are fraught with as much emotional baggage for parents and children as clothing. Whether they be toddlers or teens, young people assert their autonomy through what they will and will not wear. And as we know, Mike, it is an important part of our message. So good luck one and all as you approach your back-to-school shopping. That was Lynn Cooper of Lynn Cooper & Associates, Chicago. Lynn Cooper developed the Mirrors Project as part of her personal and professional effort to make the world accessible to all people and to offer positive reflections to people of all abilities. These personal image segments heard on ACB Reports are an ongoing part of the Mirrors Project. Lynn has established an email address through which to receive your feedback, comments, and suggestions regarding these personal image segments. That address is mirrors1usa at yahoo.com. That's M-I-R-R-O-R-S-1 USA at Yahoo.com. The number is the number one. From the American Council of the Blind, you're listening to ACB Reports. you are hearing came from the Calliope atop the Bell of Louisville, a paddle wheel steamer which conducts evening cruises along Louisville's Ohio River waterfront. The recording was made through the closed window of my Galt House hotel room during the recently concluded 47th Annual National Convention of the American Council of the Blind. The Internal Revenue Service came to the ACB convention this year to talk about economic stimulus checks and about employment opportunities with the agency. ACB's first vice president, Kim Charlson, introduced the speakers. Our next speakers come to us from the IRS, an IRS employment initiative and useful tax rebate information. I'm going to turn the podium over to Richard Keeling, who is Senior Tax Analyst with the IRS Office of Stakeholder Partnerships, Education and Communications in Atlanta, Georgia, and his colleague, Lee Gorlanda, Chief Accessibility Coordinator, IRS Richmond, Virginia. Okay, thank you. I'm Richard Keeling. And I'm with the Internal Revenue Service, and I'm here to help. 
Now, we always say that we start out that way, and after the laughter dies down, we start talking about our program. Last year, I spoke in, at your convention up in Minneapolis, and we spoke at that time about how we uh, want to help people with disabilities as far as doing free tax preparation and asset building strategies. And I also mentioned that we would hope that American Council of the Blind and the Education Outreach Department of the IRS, where I work, would be able to form some sort of partnership around that. And I'm pleased to announce that we have agreed on a memorandum of understanding where we hope to assist all people with disabilities, including blind and visually impaired, in the 84 cities that we're currently in that are involved in free tax preparation and asset building. Free tax preparation is available if you make less than $40,000 a year, and we have over 300-plus coalitions where they're doing this throughout the country. Many of the affiliates will be receiving some information on that. I also want to, while I'm here, briefly just talk to you about the economic stimulus payments if you have not heard about it or already filed for one. If you are an individual or family member and you're not normally required to file a tax return, if you receive some sort of non-taxable income such as VA, Veterans Administration payments, Social Security, it doesn't include SSI, but if you receive these things that are normally non-taxable, you are eligible for an economic stimulus payment of a minimum of $300, and it could be more depending on the size of your family. I hope you encourage all the people that you know in your communities that are on Social Security benefits or are on Veterans Administration benefits. Our last statistics showed there's about 7 million people on Social Security benefits and VA benefits, or they may even work and have just a small amount of income. They only have to have income over $3,000 to qualify. You could actually go to irs.gov, type in the keyword stimulus, and find out all kinds of information. It's 508 compliant. It's, it's very accessible. My colleague Lee is blind, and he accessed it recently to find out where his check was, and all he do is punch in a few numbers, and he was able to, to find out that he was going to get his check in a couple weeks, and he just got it. I hope that you will take advantage of this and some of the other credits that are out there, especially the Earned Income Tax Credit, which is a $43 billion program a year for working people with low wages, et cetera. With that, I'm going to turn it over to Lee, who's going to talk about some very interesting things that we do at the IRS where we're hiring people with disabilities. I've worked with the IRS now about 25 years. Lee is uh, maybe a few years longer. However, it is a great place of employment. And Lee will give you much more information on that. Thank you. Thanks, Richard. Kind of like the old slogan in the Army, IRS wants you. Um, <laughs> as Richard said, my name is Lee Gerlanda. I'm the Chief Accessibility Coordinator for IRS. Today is day one of my 36th year with the IRS. Um, just to let uh, all of you know, one of the programs that, that we currently uh, have and we have had for the last 41 years is a program at Lions World. Um, if those of you may be familiar with it in Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, we have uh, eight courses that go on all year long. I have four employees that actually instruct those courses. Those are three of the different ways that you can possibly come into the Internal Revenue Service. We also have two computer courses that are taught by Lions World instructors, uh, one in computer programming, one in Microsoft Computer Systems Engineer. 
I want to talk about something that we started just about a year ago, and that was a strategy to increase our hiring of individuals with disabilities. Basically, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission came out and said to the federal government that basically we're not doing a very good job about being a model employer and that if we expect private industry to hire individuals with disabilities, then the federal government should be leading the way. IRS undertook a, a five-year initiative. We started just about a year ago. And in the particular part of IRS that I work in um, during fiscal year 08, which will end uh, September 30th, so far we've hired uh, this year a little over 1,000 individuals with disabilities. What we've done is we've established a strategy with uh, as many uh, government organizations, as many private organizations, which is one of the reasons that we're here today, to talk about the jobs that we have available at the Internal Revenue Service. We have made uh, formal contacts that we have coordinators in all 50 states, the Department of Vocational Rehab. Uh, we've done the same thing with the Department of Veterans Affairs, a number of individual uh, private veterans organizations, uh, Easter Seals, now the American Council for the Blind. And basically, we're looking for individuals who are, are looking for employment. Uh, we know that uh, opportunities uh, present themselves, uh, sometimes not as often as we would like. But as Richard indicated, um, I lost my eyesight 44 years ago, and I wasn't quite sure what kind of a career I'd have. Um, I spent a few years in broadcasting, then for the past 35 years have been with IRS. IRS not only is interested in hiring you, but the strategy that we undertook is basically three parts. One is a hiring initiative. The second one is a retention initiative to uh, keep the folks that we currently have. And then the third part of that is a developmental initiative, too, so that even though you may come in an entry-level position, um, we obviously uh, want to work to have folks uh, increase in the uh, IRS. All you need to do is two things. Uh, one, uh, all of our jobs are posted on USA Jobs. That's if you're interested potentially in a competitive appointment. Also, IRS has a direct hiring authority called a Schedule A. It's an OPM non-competitive appointment. It's just like um, a competitive appointment with the exception as you have one additional year in probation. Uh, it's a two-year probationary period, but we can bring anybody who is a qualified disabled individual in on a Schedule A appointment. But basically, uh, as long as you meet the minimum OPM qualifications for any position within IRS, IRS uh, potentially is looking for you. Contact the Internal Revenue Service or the ACB National Office for additional information about employment opportunities with the IRS. And listen to ACB Reports next month for more highlights from this year's National Convention of the American Council of the Blind. You've been listening to ACB Reports, heard on radio information services nationwide on side four of the Braille Forum cassette edition and throughout the world on acbradio.org. ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Send suggestions and comments about this program to reports at acbradio.org. Contact the American Council of the Blind online at acb.org or phone 800-424-8666. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next month for another ACB Reports. Music